0: Welcome to the Experience Darden podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to feature my recent conversation with Chris Kraft. Chris is a rising second year student in our full-time MBA class of 2022. We recently connected to talk more about her story, her background, how she decided to pursue an MBA, what led her to Darden, and we also found time to talk about her podcast, The Career Queer. I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, Here's my interview with Chris Kraft. Chris, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's great having you here. How are you doing? How's everything?
1: Uh, I'm actually doing really well. I came home to my home in St. Paul, Minnesota with my fiance a couple of weeks ago. We road tripped from Charlottesville back to home and It's been beautiful here, very low humidity, sunny, it's rained some, so like all, everything's very lush and green, and I've been enjoying being back in my homeland.
0: Well, that's great. It's always good to be home, and I have to say for our podcast listeners, t-shirts don't come through so well on the podcast, but I do want to give you a chance to talk about the t-shirt that you're wearing here. Uh, You want to tell us a a little bit about it?
1: Of course. So, uh. It's my favorite t shirt. It's the Darden Pride at Darden t shirt. It's this very soft gray t shirt that has the uh, main building at Darden uh, Saunders Hall with like some beautiful rainbow brush strokes. Um, it's the best t shirt. I think it's available at the bookstore. Um, otherwise, join Pride at Darden when you're here and we'll hook
0: you up. All right, I have to ask about a couple of other things in your background. So there's some guitars on the wall and a piano in the corner. Are you a a musician? Uh, Do you you live with a musician?
1: I am the musician. There's a cello in the other room that belongs to my fiance, but we're definitely not musically gifted. Uh, Something that I was doing a lot during winter break um, as a way to relax and refocus uh, was really working on my skills in these areas. But I'm very much a jack of all trades kind of person where I like to pick something up, learn how to do it, learn how to do it fairly well, and then put it back down again. Um, I'm definitely not an expert by any means, but I can play proficiently. Um, So the guitars, one is one that my parents gifted me when we found it at the flea market in my hometown. Um, It's a beautiful Fender, love it. Uh, and then the other Fender is actually my mom's guitar from the 70s. So I also play that one. It has a slightly different sound. And, of course, it's nice to have something that was my mom's um, or is my mom's. I don't, I don't know if she's going to reclaim it at any point. But then um, you can't see it, but I have a ukulele on the other wall as well. So just fun times playing around. It's nice to have something to play with.
0: Well, that's been one of my favorite questions here on the podcast is what have people been doing as they've been spending more time at home and so it sounds like you've been playing music is there is there any kind of music you like playing any artists you particularly enjoy
1: oh that's uh so that's a really tough question um i really enjoy doing ukulele covers of hip-hop songs um because i think it's funny um And then, yeah, that's, so I would say that. Otherwise I really enjoy playing um, songs that are just like basic country songs because country songs are three chords and the truth. Um, So you only have to learn three chords to play a lot of country songs. Um, And I enjoy singing them because they're fun.
0: So no somewhere over the rainbow for you on ukulele, you've gone gone in a completely (laughs) different direction
1: totally different direction. Oh, man. Plus, like, I I have, I can sing well enough. I say that I'm karaoke good with my voice. Um, So that's, that's as much as I'm doing. I'm doing karaoke, but where I make the music.
0: I like it. Well, we're starting to put your story together. Tell us a little bit more about you and your background. What did you do before coming to Darden?
1: Sure. So uh, before Darden, I Was working in corporate finance for a Fortune 500 company called Ecolab. Great company. I loved working there. I worked there for five years um, in four different roles. And I covered the gambit. I did accounting. I did corporate, um, working with sales finance for the paper industry. I moved into the hospitality industry, really focusing on schools and major facilities. And then I came over into the healthcare division uh, and then got to be a part of the beginning of the pandemic with that division, figuring out how to get hand sanitizer into as many hands as possible uh, at hospitals around the country. So uh, that's what I was doing at Ecolove for my day job. But then I had my gay job, which was uh, being the one of the leads for the Ecolab uh, LGBT employee resource group or ERG. And what I did with them, and this is what I really loved about Ecolab is that if you wanna put in the work, um, the company's really supportive of helping you like do things. So while I was there, I was able to get a group together to be part of the pride parade for the first time in the company's history uh, in the Twin Cities. And then from there, we the next year, we built a float um, in my garage. Um, and we got to do pride parades in Naperville as well, which is where the company has another office location. So um, I got to really embrace the LGBT community at Ecolab. I got to learn how to teach allies and people who want to learn more about the LGBT community. And that's when I found sort of my passion for people at companies and figuring out how to help people be their best at work.
0: So you have, so you have this background in, in working for Ecolab. Had you been thinking about an MBA business school for, for a while? Was it a relatively recent thought for you?
1: Yeah. So when I was working within the finance function at Ecolab, I was, uh, it was my second role. I was working in Naperville, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. Um, and I saw that a lot of managers um, had MBAs out in the Chicagoland area. And so my that was the first time where I was like, oh, I think I need to get an MBA because I knew I wanted to be a manager because I loved working with people. I love mentoring people. And that's been something that I've done uh, I actually saw one of my mentees this last weekend and I've been mentoring her for eight years. So, uh, you know, that's a huge passion of mine. And so I remember talking to somebody, um, at the company she was leaving and I said, Hey, I think I'm going to get my MBA. And she basically told me that she didn't think it would be worth it for me to get my MBA because she didn't think that I had the talent or the drive to make an MBA worth it. Um, So it was a really tough conversation, but looking back on it, I think she was right uh, in the way that she understood what my career goals to be, which was working within finance. Um, And I think working within finance specifically specifically Ecolab, I think I would have hit a ceiling um, because I learned later on that, I didn't, while I really appreciated and enjoyed some of my work in finance, it wasn't where I was going to be the happiest long-term. So at at some point, um, I realized that, so I moved back to St. Paul and I realized that I, you know, maybe I didn't want to get the MBA. And at St. Paul, it's when I realized like there were a lot of people within finance management who didn't have MBAs. So I was like, well, maybe I can do this. And I kept going along my career. And I happened to get to have a conversation with the CFO of Ecolab. And through a conversation with him, I realized I really didn't want to do finance anymore. I don't think that was his intention. He definitely was trying to like sell me on how amazing the finance organization was. And it definitely had a lot of positive points. But I realized that he was saying that what he loves about his job is he feels like he's the chef and he gets to prepare everything and then bring it to a table of executives and present that um, as, you know, his recommendation. And then they get to then make a decision with it. And I realized that I wanted to be somebody who was helping drive that decision. And I was help, and I was the person basically at the table consuming the stuff. I didn't want to make the stuff. Um, so thank you to him, because then I started thinking about like, what did I want out of my career? And I basically realized that I wanted to make a career pivot. And that's when the MBA really became a much more real thing to me as something I wanted to pursue because I saw it as a really amazing tool to make a strong career pivot and set me up for success in the, uh, next phase of my career.
0: Well, some tough conversations there to be sure, uh, but the thing I love about what you just shared is there's so much introspection and reflection. You're asking yourself deep, important questions about where you are, where you'd like to go, how you might get there, and that's the kind of work that we always hope prospective MBA students are doing. One of the things that we emphasize as we share application tips and you know, try to help people approaching the process of applying to business school is you know, take a step back. You know, think about yourself, where you're coming from, what are your strengths, what are those areas that you might want to strengthen, and also, you know, how are you telling your story? You know, who are you? What's most important for you to convey in your application? Those are those are important questions. Those are those are personal questions, and the the more time you can spend thinking about who you are and who you'd like to be, um, how an MBA fits into that journey, the better. Um, So, lots of MBA programs out there in the world, Chris. But what ultimately put Darden on your radar?
1: Yeah. So. It's so funny. So I did um, a program with the Forte Foundation as like a pre-MBA thing. It's called MBA Launch. It's wonderful. I would strongly recommend uh, anybody who's looking into getting their MBA to look at it, see if it's the right thing for them because I, it really helped set me up for success because going into that program, I thought in order to achieve my career goals, I had to um, go to like very, like only the best of the best. And I didn't even know what that was at that time, because I had a very narrow scope. And what that program helped me do is really engage in self, uh, self-reflection self again. And so what I ended up doing as, uh, at one point there was 12 schools or something that I had like figured out that like, these are schools that have the right uh academics maybe I don't know like what I'm looking for I was like um I was like well let me just reach out to the LGBT organizations of all these schools and see if I can talk to somebody about the LGBT experience because that's something that's really important to me and I timed how fast the response was and how quickly I could get time on somebody's calendar and the Darden PAD leadership was the quickest. They uh, got me connected to a student right away. They were super responsive and that student really helped introduce me to like some of the stuff that made Darden really great and why Darden was on my list was the community, the tight knit um, aspect of how that community works, the rigorous academics um, and how much fun they had in Charlottesville. So all of that really spoke to me, um, which is why I decided that I definitely want to apply and I was lucky enough to get accepted for an interview. And that's when I came out and actually saw the school and I fell in love with the campus. I thought that every single person that I'd ever talked to um, associated with Darden was just so kind. And like I say kind because there's niceness, which I think is more of a facade and how people present themselves. Um, But like when I talked to Darted people, it felt like they were very present and they were actually listening to what I had to say. And they were giving me very honest and authentic feedback, uh, which made me feel like I was going into the experience much more eyes wide open, Um, which was why I'm so excited last spring to say yes and uh, was excited last fall to come and be part of the community.
0: So one of the ongoing conversation topics we featured here on the podcast with current students is about the adjustment to being a first year student, knowing that there are learning curves. It's always interesting to hear how people managed uh, through those first months or through the first year as a student. So what was that like for you? Um, what were the, the adjustments that you had to make?
1: Yeah, so obviously we're talking about fall of 2020, uh, very tough, uh, like still like in the pandemic, which we're still in the pandemic, but it's much more of a rosier outlook at this point in May of 2021. But the hardest part for me was being so far away from my support network, um, and having to kind of build a new support network from scratch, um, and learning how to meet new people and trust new people and connect with new people, Uh, My fiance and I have been together for five years. Um, All of my friendships that I have at home have been at least that long, if not longer. Um, So it had been a while since I had made new friends. Um, And I think that was the toughest part, uh, honestly, was figuring out how to make new friends and really, really missing that strong support network from home and being really isolated at the same time because... I was, you know, it was the pandemic. I was spending long days on Zoom doing recruiting in the fall. um, And that can be really isolating at the same time. So but I made it through it and I definitely um, made some amazing friendships that I'm excited to have the rest of my life, like calling them friends.
0: The points that you made around making new friends and building a new network. Unsurprisingly, those have come up on the podcast before, and and one of the things that everybody talks about, you know, Charlottesville, College Town, you know, everybody's picking up and relocating here. Most people do not arrive uh, with a ready-made network in the Charlottesville area. Everybody's kind of in that same place, Um, and that has benefits, right, because everybody's having to get out there. Uh, The complexity for for you and your classmates, of course, is that you're trying to build these connections and, and network. During a pandemic where people are being advised to stay home and you know, physically distant, uh, distance themselves from, from others. And so certainly made it more complicated. But one of the things that has come through, at least in my conversations with student leaders here on the podcast, is the Darden community is, is persistent. Uh, in the midst of everything here, uh, there was a real resiliency to students and finding ways to stay engaged and connect and garden Cups still happen. Student organizations and clubs still had activities, some of it in person, uh, some of it virtual. And uh, it was great to hear that because I think uh, a lot of, you know, this past year has been uh, about adaptation and you know, mm-hmm. things have been more challenging, no, no doubt. But it was yeah. great to hear that, that there's still things going on. Was that, was that mm-hmm. your experience?
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, I planned, uh, for my section, I coordinated these, like, basically, uh, share your favorite, like type of beverage with other students. This came about because there was a gal in my section who, (laughs) she was like, I drink Sauvignon Blanc and that is all I drink because I know I like it. And I was, so I came up with this idea of doing wine nights to help just for other people who like maybe hadn't really had a chance to experience a lot of different wines. And I love wine. I love cocktails. I have had the opportunity in my life to do that. So I coordinated that across my section where I was like, if you're interested in learning more about um, dark spirits, like somebody would host and like make everybody old fashions or do whiskey flights. Or if you're interested in learning how to make mocktails, we did that. Um, but then more, And then when I moved back during the winter months, it was so fun. I got to connect with so many students because we would have Among Us uh, game nights. Among Us is a game that had was popular for a hot minute. Um, it's very fun. It's very fun to play with the group. Um, and there's someone else from our section that had us do TED Talks as a section. So what's been amazing is even when I'm far away, I still feel really connected to the community because there's just always stuff happening, especially at that time virtually.
0: So we're recording this conversation in May. You've completed uh, the first year of study and uh, you're approaching the summer months. What, what will you be doing this summer?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be interning with uh, BCG at their Minneapolis office, Uh Very excited to join the team there. There's some Darden alums who are already there, all Section D folks, which I'm also from Section D. So at this point, it's like the third time that they've had a Section D Darden person in Minneapolis, which is amazing. Um, So that's where I'll be interning this summer and it'll be a quick 10 weeks and then back to Charlottesville for this for the school year.
0: So question about your career goals. Um, did you come to Darden knowing that you wanted to be in consulting or was that something that evolved during that first year?
1: Yeah, I definitely knew I wanted to pursue consulting. Um, I, When I was first, when I was thinking about my long term career goals, like something I wanted to be doing when I was 45 is, and I still think this is a dream of mine, is doing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting, where I would just be running my own boutique. Um, but so that's what I kind of came into the MBA thinking I wanted to do. And then over time, it evolved into, well, maybe I just want to try out consulting as a broad thing first. Um, because it had a lot of the things I was looking for from my career, um, very challenging, um, mentally, uh, where you get to, uh, very people-based where you get to work within teams and you get to work with clients uh, still heavily has a lot of analytics to it, um, which mean, which is still fun for me. Uh, travel. Uh, I love being in airports and I love being on planes and I love just seeing um, people from different areas of the country and like seeing like what different parts of the country are like. Um, so traveling is a big uh, bonus for me. Uh, and then I also loved the flexibility it would give me if I ever need to leave consulting. Um, I thought, so for me, I came in knowing that I wanted to recruit for consulting um, and I had done a lot of work to make sure I was ready for that recruiting cycle. I ended up being really successful, uh, which was very lucky for me and I felt really good about that. And I was excited to, I'm, I'm excited to join BCG. It's a great opportunity.
0: So we've talked on the podcast about recruitment uh, in this past year, it shifted to a virtual recruitment model. Um, they were still creative things that were happening as part yeah. of the recruitment process companies being creative, how they can connect with students. Um, but what was virtual recruitment like? Um, did that require an adjustment?
1: So, I mean, so keep in mind that I've never done in-person recruiting at the MBA level, right? So, and the last time I'd done any sort of recruiting was in college and it was very different because I went to a school that, a very small liberal arts women's school in St. Paul, it's called uh, St. Catherine University. It's wonderful, but doesn't have like a super robust business program. So I, for me, I loved virtual recruiting. I think- um, I don't know how people could be on, like, I love virtual recruiting because you had to be on screen and you had to like smile and be really, um, effervescent and really personable on the camera. But once the camera is off, you could just let go. And like, I don't know how people were going to different events throughout the evening, Uh, I think there's a lot more picking and choosing that had to happen versus for me, I got to go to basically everything, which was a huge benefit, um, which meant that I had a lot more options uh, going into, you know, interviews. I had a lot of, uh, I had, I had not like nine interviews um, because I was able to network effectively with a lot of different firms versus having to pick and choose really early on. And then uh, I also really liked virtual interviewing because again, it's that whole aspect of you do the interview, you're on screen. Um, I think there had to be a much, especially for consulting recruiting, you have to do this thing called a case interview. And I think a lot of companies do them, not just consulting firms. But I think that your verbal skills had to be so much stronger in the virtual environment because you couldn't just show your piece of paper to somebody that showed your outline. You had to verbalize it. And I think that that's actually a really important skill when you're talking to people to be able to organize your thoughts effectively and communicate that. So virtual recruiting, yeah, Zoom fatigue is really real. Uh, It was definitely exhausting. But at the end of the day, I think I got a lot of benefit out of it. And I can't say that I hated it just for the fact that I could um, really focus on the task at hand.
0: So your name first hit my radar because you have a podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your podcast, um, the inspiration for the podcast, where you got the idea. So tell us a little bit more about your podcast.
1: Yeah. So my podcast is called The Career Queer. Uh, There's 16 episodes available anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, I released all of those episodes between August of 2020 to October of 2020. Um, and the inspiration for that podcast really came from, I had known that I wanted to do a podcast for a really long time. I've been listening to podcasts since I was 14 years old. So like way, way before people even like knew what podcast as a medium, I, loved I loved the fact that you could listen and learn something. Um and I love that the new perspectives and voices that I got to hear through that medium. Uh, so a couple of years ago for my birthday, my fiance gave me as a gift basically all the equipment I would need to start my own podcast. Um, so I think he definitely was like, you should just do this and see how you like it. It's like been a long time dream of yours. Like, just go for it. Um, but it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to talk about because when you are figuring out what you want to do a podcast about, you have to think about what do I know a lot about? What do I think I could make, make interesting enough? What already exists in the market and where is there a gap? Um, and finding that is really tough, but I found it. Uh, it's specifically career advice for LGBT people and just hearing about the careers of LGBT people um, in a very fun space. So what I wanted the podcast to really be is for you know somebody who's maybe 15, 16, 17 in high school or is in college, who is queer and might be looking at a career such as working as an engineer or a career where they want to maybe be a chemist or something like that. And there's not a lot of visibility because um, it's not like they look at pictures of chemists or they see chemists and the chemist is like, also I'm queer. And I want, so I wanted to tell the stories of people who were LGBT and were in their careers Um, talking about how they had failed or how they found their way to those careers to sort of provide inspiration for somebody who is thinking about what they want to be doing in the future. So that's what the podcast is. I don't know if I actually fulfilled on that mission, but I had a lot of fun making it. (laughs)
0: Well, that's that's important. And I, I wonder, were there any surprising things you learned along the way of doing the podcast or anything that stands out uh, for, for you? I'd say this as somebody who records a bunch of podcast episodes. I think you get better as you go. I remember back to our first episodes here on the Darden Admissions podcast. Um, we've come a long way, let's put it that way. So,
1: Yeah, for sure. I think the getting better uh, at everything as you go along, uh, a couple of the first episodes... I actually had to rerecord them because I just wasn't happy with how the conversation went or what was said, or it just didn't have the right feeling that I was going for. So I had to like re-record them. I also learned how to be a better interviewer. And so it's weird to be on this side of the table being interviewed um, because I'm usually the person guiding the conversation. So uh, as my dad always tries to tell me when I dance with him, I have to let other people lead. Uh, and I think the other thing that I also learned is how to be patient, not only with myself, but with other people as well. Um, and also cutting episodes takes a lot of time and podcasting takes a lot of time. So whenever you listen to an episode of any podcast, just know that a lot of love, heart and commitment went into it and. And. Even if you don't like what they say or what they do, just know that a lot of people worked on making that content for you.
0: I appreciate that final point uh, from one podcaster to another. Um, Shout out to Gary Peters, our our fearless producer here on the Experienced Arden and the Exec MBA podcast. But yes, you're absolutely right the content does not generate itself. And uh, a lot of small details in this kind of thing. So um, Chris, uh, you've you got an exciting summer plan. You're, you're back in the Twin Cities. Sounds like things are, are going really well. Um, what are you looking forward to in the year ahead? What are you excited about?
1: I am looking forward to Simply getting to be around people without fearing that either they're going to give me a deadly disease or I'm going to give them a deadly disease. I think that'll be so fun. And so on top of that, I'm just looking forward to meeting all of my classmates of the class of 2022 and getting to know them even better. I'm excited to meet the new incoming classmates. I've already gotten a chance to meet some of them. Um, over, you know, texting and Zoom and stuff. And I'm just, through. I think they're gonna be amazing, amazing group of people and I'm excited to get to know them. Uh, I'm also excited to share Charlottesville with my partner and with my family, um, my, my chosen family that will come out and see me this year because they'll be able to safely travel. Um, And so it'll be so fun to get to show them uh, this new world that I've been a part of and get to share that with them.
0: So Chris, I wonder if you have any advice for our prospective student listeners, anything that any wisdom you would impart having been on this journey before and obviously in the midst of, of business school right now.
1: Yeah, I think as you're looking through, you know, business schools and thinking what you want Try to really think about not only what are you setting yourself up for for the next two years, but think about the next five years and 10 years and what sort of opportunities will be available to you going out. I I would also say test out the alumni network before you commit to a school, because that alumni network is what's going to really help drive your career in the long term. Um, and it's going to be another connecting point for you to touch base with in the long term. So, I personally thought the Darden alumni network is the best. Um, I I think that it's people are just again so kind and so willing to make time for you uh, as Darden alums, and I think that that's really special. So, that would be my advice. Also, if you're queer uh, or LGBT or non-binary or anything, uh, reach out to the LGBT clubs and they'll probably be able to talk to you about what it's like at the school um, and be able to offer some advice as well.
0: So Chris, we started with a music conversation and I want to end with a music question. So the Twin Cities famous for all sorts of great bands and performers that have come out of the Twin Cities. Uh, I'm sure I'm gonna leave some people off, but of course there's the Jayhawk Soul Asylum, The Replacements, Husker Du, and most famously, the purple one, Prince. Have you been to the Prince Museum?
1: So I've not been to the Prince Museum, but I went to the last party at Paisley Park, which was when he released his last album. Um, and I went there with a bunch of friends and it was a very, it was a huge party. It was wild. I ended up with like lots of free merch that I still have. Um, so I, that's my like little Prince claim to fame. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely have gone to a lot of concerts. I love living in this community just because there is so much amazing amazing musical talent coming out of the twin cities
0: well i will say your print story is a lot better than just having gone to the museum so we (laughs) will take take that so chris thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story here on the podcast it was a pleasure catching up with you and and enjoy your summer there back home
1: absolutely thank you so much
0: and that was my interview with chris kraft a rising second year student in our full-time mba class of 2022 As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.